Hey, Daniel and Brian at Green River Adventures. This is Mel Lockhart. I went on the Big Bradley Waterfall Rappel on September 9th with you guys. It was actually a birthday trip for my son Cade. He had his friend Josh there and my daughter Kennedy. And I know you guys do lots of these trips and probably don't remember all of your customers, but uh, maybe that will be enough description for you to remember who I am. And um, so anyways, I just wanted to reach out to you guys, first of all, and say thank you. That was an amazing trip. You guys were so professional, just awesome. It was, uh, it was a trip that we'll never forget. And, uh, you know, we hope to even be able to come back and do it again someday, maybe bring more people. Don't know if you guys will still be doing that or moved on doing something else, but hopefully get to run into you again. Um, and I, I, the reason I wanted to reach out to you, and maybe this is a very different way of doing so, but hey, I thought I'd use the technology that we have these days. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought about maybe writing you guys a note or a letter or something like that, but uh, it's hard to find time to sit down and write um, and then figure out how to get it to you and then time um, restraints might make it hard for you to sit down and read something. But anyways, I really did want to say thank you. That's the main thing. Um, and then also, you know, I wanted to talk to you guys just about the kind of things I would have loved to have been able to find time to talk to you guys about while we were there. But that's not what we were there for and not what you were there for. And uh, so to talk about anything serious would be probably not possible in the time like that while you're concerned for everyone's safety and everyone's enjoyment for what they paid for. So just wanted to reach out to you though and tell you that, um, you know, as much as I enjoyed uh, hanging out with you guys and doing that with you guys, uh, as I drove away, I was a little bit saddened to think that I might never, never meet you again, run into you again. And the reason that saddens me is because I also recognize the eternal soul that you have uh, that you guys are made in the image of God, just like I am, uh, with a purpose. Um, and I'm not sure what you have, uh, to what degree you've thought about those things. Uh, you guys are the ages where you've probably thought about that stuff and come to some of your own conclusions about what the purpose of life is or is not, and uh, how that all relates to how you're going to live your life and who God is and who we are, if there is a God, all of those things. And so, um, and not being able to have a two-way conversation right now, um, I can't ask you exactly where you're at in that and what you think, what uh, decisions you've made, what your life has been like um, to cause you to think or believe as you do. But I just wanted to reach out to you with um, with what is truth anyways um, because again it, you are eternal souls and someday maybe sooner rather than later no one really knows you have an appointment and that appointment is uh, uh, you can't miss it and it's with death and uh, you'll have a casket lid close on your face at some point and that's serious um, and that's always a burden to me as I meet people. 
uh, because I'm concerned for their eternal state and eternal souls. Um, maybe you would tell me that you're not concerned about that. I'm not sure, again, what you believe. Some people do uh, in these kind of conversations say, well, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. Um, and they may say that because they have just come to the conclusion that, hey, I'll just, just turn into dirt. I won't even know it. And that's the end. That's it. Um, and then some may say, well, no, I'm, I'm somewhat religious and I might believe in an afterlife, but I basically believe that that is, you know, based on how you live. And I'm a pretty good guy, not an axe murderer. And so maybe you'd have that perspective um, that you're trying to be good guys, live a good life, do good things. Um, and so I just wanted to tell you what actually is true um, in relation to that. Um, you know, to even have this kind of conversation one way might seem uh, not fair, but um, we're willing to listen to, say, a math lecture, you know, uh, a one-way math lecture, because we trust that the teacher, the instructor there, knows exactly what the truth is and what is correct, what is right, and it really doesn't matter what our feedback might be we might questions and that's that's where certainly this this can be limited um, but on the same hand uh, uh, if a if a math teacher was teaching basic math and said all right class uh, you know for centuries everyone has known and taught that two plus two equals four but but we're going to have an interactive math class with feedback from the students to actually decide what their truth is. And so, you know, we don't want to be judgmental. We want to be all-inclusive. And so, really, whatever your truth is, is fine. Um, if you just are sincere about math, then hey, you know, we'll, we'll accept your answer. There's no wrong answers. Well, um, logically and obviously, we know that that's, the person that sits through that class is not going to become an engineer. They're not going to build a bridge unless they're willing at some point to subject themselves to truth outside of themselves, truth outside of themselves. So, um, and I know you, you're probably like, all right, I don't really want to listen to this guy drone on and on right now and um, what's the point of this and who does he think he is he has some sort of truth for me that um, I don't know and uh, he's saying I should sit and listen to him and I understand that but if you'll just bear with me again to at least believe me on this um, I really am concerned like for your souls and it made me sad to drive away and, and say, hey, I enjoyed getting to know those guys, but what about when they die? What about when they die? And I didn't get to tell them what has been told to me and is true. And uh, so let me just, if you would, I, I'll try not to be so, um, try not to be so rambling if you'll allow me to just tell you what is true 
in relation to these things. And I, I, if you would, I wanted just to read to you, and I don't know what your experience has been with the Bible, whether you've ever examined it. Um, many of the younger folks of today have just been told, hey, it's just a collection of stories written by men. It's got some good ideas, some good stuff, some good things, maybe, or, or maybe not. Um, but it's, it's uh, corrupted, it's been written by men, and, and maybe you've just bought that line, never actually examined it for yourself, read the Bible. Um, I'm, so I'm just going to be straight. I'm coming to you um, with my uh, desire to help you with the presupposition that the Bible is actually the Word of God, the Creator God the one who created all things, the one who created you, the one who makes your heart beat right now, the, the, the pump in your chest that man can't really even explain. He's learned how to work on it some, but how it is that that thing fires off every moment and continues to pump blood throughout your body and keep you alive is God. It's God. Um, he holds your life in his hands. He created you. He made you. And uh, so I'm coming to you just honestly, straight up, with the presupposition that that creator God has not left us ignorant about what the purpose of life is and what we're here for and what we're here to do and how we can um, um, be fulfilled, if you want to put it that way. In, in other words, live out what it is we were created for. Um, all of that is broken and messed up, and you guys have probably experienced much pain, suffering, trials, um, however you want to put that in your life, that have colored your perspective on God and who He is. But I just want to share with you now from God's Word who He says He is. And uh, again, please bear with me if you will believe me that this is out of, out of love and not from a place of... Uh, high-handed judgment like uh, so this is a guy that's about to tell me that he's better than me mm, please don't hear that please don't hear that um, let me tell you what God has said so as we we're out there in um, such a beautiful place it reminded me of this passage in the Bible that King David wrote um, in Psalm 19, and it says this, the heavens, in other words, the when you look up, um, the sky that you see. You guys spend many nights outdoors. You've uh, laid on top of a mountain, I'm sure, and seen stars like most people have never seen. And that's what it's talking about. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day, pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, in other words, a language, nor are, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them, again the heavens, he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. 
and there is nothing hidden from its heat. So speaking of the heavens, speaking of the sun, speaking of all of the things in nature that you guys love and enjoy so much, all of it is has been calling out to you saying, there is a creator, there is a God who has done these things. And so um, perhaps you would be of the persuasion that I've heard of, of people who would say, well, what about people who, who don't know there's a God? Well, this is just clearly saying that all men know that there's a God, there's, there's a creator. They may deny that. They may call themselves an atheist and say, I don't believe there's a God. Um, but they're just denying what they know to be true. Um, God has made it very clear that there is a God. So, uh, you know, why then did he create us? What is the, what is the purpose? Uh, the Bible goes on in many places to tell us that we were created uh, to fellowship with God. We were created to glorify him. In other words, to, to, to praise him. Um, and so when God created the first man and first woman, Adam and Eve, that was the perfect life for them, was fellowship with God. In other words, um, obedience to God, walking with God, knowing God, um, living out His purpose. He had given them even jobs to do in the perfect world that He created, um, tending, the, tending to the, the garden that they were uh, put in, uh, tending to the earth. Um, and it was beautiful, and it was perfect, and there was, there was no death. Um, it was as it should be. And you've tasted little pieces of that in your life, even if your life has been one of uh, potentially maybe more hardship and sorrow and death and things that, uh, that maybe even others don't even understand uh, that have been terrible. Even if your life has been primarily filled with those things, you've You've at least tasted and seen just a little bit, especially as much time as you guys spend out in nature, um, in the things that God's created. You've tasted it, just a little piece of it, but it is all so messed up and corrupted, as you certainly can see, by the death, by the disease, by the destruction, by the wars, by the famine, by the uh, suffering. Um, how, how did that happen? If I'm telling you that, that God created all things good and perfect and for His pleasure, then what happened? Well, man, Adam there in the garden sinned. He, he failed to keep covenant with God. God's enemy, Satan, came to Adam and Eve both and convince them that if they would uh, disobey God and what he had commanded them, that, that they would be like him, that they would actually decide for themselves, that they uh, good and evil, that they would um, know good and evil, it says, the Bible says, and that they would um, basically be like God and be like God's, be like the Creator. And, um, and so Adam and Eve did disobey God, who again had, had created everything perfect, including 
the including the instructions that he had given them were perfect. They were for their good, not for uh, not for their harm. It was for their good. But they rejected that. They rejected that, and um, and I would submit to you as I'm even telling you here this the entire really ultimately the entire story of the Bible. I'm going to make it much shorter here soon, but um, that even if you're Human intuition says, well, this, this sounds fantastic. This sounds like a, a neat story, but hey, you know, what's the difference between that and Harry Potter, right? Just a story. Um, but as I continue to tell you what God says um, here um, and what happened and what our condition is, certainly you'll be able to see um, kind of like I just read in Psalm 19, the heavens declaring the glory of God, you'll be able to see that the, the world around us, the things that you're experiencing, line up with exactly what God says happened and is happening. And, uh, and ultimately there are, there are answers. And so if you'll bear with me, I'll, I'll just continue telling you what, what happened after that. So Adam and Eve sinned. They disobey God. Sin means, uh, when I say sin, I know that's another word that just gets thrown around in our culture, but it means they just, they, they did not do what God had designed, had created. What is, in other words, what is perfect, what is good, what we were created for, what we were intended for. Um, and so in that, there was a, a terrible thing that happened. God had promised them that in the day that they disobeyed, that they would die. The day that they disobeyed, that they would die. And so sure enough, when they did, when they did disobey, um, they suddenly, suddenly things changed. They knew that they had disobeyed. And it even describes it, it says they, they knew at that point that they were naked because now there was shame and now there was sin. And so, um, in fear of death, in fear of the death that had been promised, they hid. They hid from the God who created them. They hid from God, the Creator. And they tried to even fashion for themselves some sort of coverings to try to hide their nakedness. Uh, so basically, out of uh, fig leaves, out of giant thick leaves there in the garden that they tended, they tried to make a covering for themselves to, you know, as if they could kind of maybe make it not so obvious that something was up uh, to, to God. And so they hid. But of course, uh, God being the creator, knowing all things as he does about even us today, um, confronted them in their sin. So it says he, he called to the man and said, where are you? And he said, Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, in other words, God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you gave to me to be with me, she gave from the, to me from the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, and again, the serpent being um, a descriptor of Satan being crafty and deceitful. Okay? And the serpent, he said to him, because you have done this, cursed are you 
more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and you shall bruise him on the heel. So what in the world is that talking about? Okay, so that is some pretty unusual language here, but it really shed so much light on what I was telling you guys I wanted to to tell you about. And that is, so God had promised death to Adam and Eve. They're hiding. Instead, God here in, in telling Satan now that he's cursed, and he you'll see here he does pronounce a curse on Adam and Eve, man and woman, and we'll see how that's bearing itself out in the days that we're in. But he made a great promise here. And so here's what he said. I will put enmity, he's talking to Satan, between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. So I'm sure that Eve's heart leapt and Adam's heart leapt in that moment thinking, we're about to die, but now God is promising seed. In other words, children, a son. And so God has just said that there will be enmity, a war, basically, between Satan and his, those who are his and Eve and those who are hers, okay, a seed. So she's going to live. And then he tells a little bit more. And the only reason we have, we're have, we able to kind of interpret what this promise means is because of the rest of God's Word um, that he's given us and the, and the history of God actually doing what he promised here. Okay, And so here's what he said. He said, He shall bruise you on the head. In other words, the seed of the woman will bruise you or crush you um, as some other translations on the head. In other words, a mortal wound. Someday this seed, Satan, the seed of the woman, will destroy you. But it says, you shall bruise him on the heel. So again, some more mysterious language there, but it, he's telling Satan, you will wound him on the heel. In other words, not a mortal wound, but you will wound him. Okay, but here he, he goes on. So I want to hang on to that promise, okay? To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. So you're going to have a son, but it's not going to be easy. Um, in pain, you will bring forth children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. So now there's going to be this uh, tension in the created order. In other words, the created order before was perfect. There was no sin. There was no jealousy. There was no hatred. There was no strife. And now there's going to be just in the husband and wife relationship. Um, he will rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it will grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, 
and to dust you shall return. So a promise to Adam, the man, that yes, I'm going to let you live, um, but it's going to be uh, hard, very hard. Thorns and thistles in your work, um, of course, that bears itself out in all kinds of ways in our modern day lifestyles. We're not all farmers, but um, the things that we have to do to survive can be very difficult uh, just to survive and all to be ultimately returned to dust and have that casket lid closed on you like I mentioned earlier. Now, I wanted to uh, keep going at least this far here and um, I hope it'll help you. Uh, again, think about Adam and Eve. And I know, again, you may be going, oh, I don't know about this. This, you know, it's good for him, but, you know, I've got my life to live, and this, this is, just sounds fantastic and fairy tale-ish. <laughs> but I submit to you that it's true. And again, if you'll hang with me, uh, perhaps you'll see it. Um, but Adam, so just imagine, just, just that it is true, if you would, and that you are Adam and Eve, and you are expecting to die. Instead, he's just promised life but a, a hard one, okay? Um, but ultimately, a crushing of the serpent, a destroying of the one who caused uh, or was the source of temptation for you in this. And, uh, and, and you are maybe wondering how it is that you are going to live. Um, well, God now gives a further picture, again, mysterious and not understood by Adam and Eve here, but understood by us now, how it is that man uh, would ultimately uh, have a rescue, be rescued, okay, by this seed of the woman that he just promised. So what God did here is he, um, it says, let me, let's see, it says, now the, uh, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. He was very happy that they were going to live. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So remember, they had kind of tried to fashion their own covering to try to hide their sin and their shame. But it says now that God, God clothed them with skin of an animal. So previous to this, there had never been death. There'd never been death. There'd never been bloodshed. Now there was bloodshed. And God killed an animal, probably a lamb, and covered them in garments of skin, clothed them. And we'll see later through the scriptures now, through the word of God, that that was just a, a picture of what was to come and how it is that man's sin and man's shame can be covered. And that is by the substitute by, by a substitute, by innocent blood being shed, the death of the innocent on behalf of the guilty, and then God himself clothing, God himself clothing Adam and Eve uh, in garments that he made. So ultimately, this is a picture of what we'll see through the rest of the Bible, that we are looking for the the seed of the woman, the ultimate rescuer, the ultimate savior from death, 
And that is why we will see later when Jesus comes, God in the flesh, Jesus, comes and gives his life into the hands of very religious men who take him and treat him as a sinner, although he never sinned, and treat him cruelly and kill him just as that lamb was killed in the garden and shed his blood. And then we'll see that Jesus, because he was God, defeated death and rose from the dead, came back to life and ascended back into heaven. And what was happening there is the same thing that happened back in the garden when Adam and Eve first sinned, but this time was uh, once for all, so to speak. This was the seed promise, the salvation promise there in the garden, and that is Jesus, his blood, shed his death, in other words, on behalf of those who he would save so that God then could clothe his, uh, those who he rescues in not their own handmade garments of self-righteousness, but in uh, the righteousness, the goodness, the perfect law-keeping, the perfect obedience, the one who did keep covenant with God so, that God, that, so that man then could be clothed in that righteousness. So I skipped from Genesis to the end, basically, and there's much, much, much more there, but it's all um, that story, okay, the entire Bible. Now, my guess is your perception of um, maybe religion or religious people, and I don't know, again, what your um, backgrounds have been, but your perception there may be that basically what religion is is um, man making some rules about how you can um, be right with God or be um, somehow go to heaven. And so whichever particular religion that is, you keep their rules and you're good to go. And then in your American experience, Perhaps what you've seen is those who, many who call themselves Christians um, are people who basically, what, what seems to be their message to you is you need to keep my rules and be like me and you'll be okay with God. Um, and that is a distortion of everything that I've just shared with you about what the truth of God is, the message of the Bible is a terrible distortion um, what what that is is self-righteousness okay so I would put it like this most Christian churches that you see most religion that you see is um, man doing just like Adam and Eve did there in the garden and they are covering up their shame of sin by self-righteous acts of religion. Um, and they're comparing themselves with each other to see whose fig leaves are the best. <laughs> and so they condemn you, maybe, um, others around them. They set themselves up as more righteous, more good, uh, more worthy somehow of rescue, of heaven, 
of, of God, of God's favor, um, all of those kind of things. Now, is there is there a holy um, standard law by which we live? Yes, we will see that later revealed in the scriptures um, that, that, that God gives us um, kind of a revelation of, of how holy he is by showing us even the ten, what we call the Ten Commandments. And if we take those Ten Commandments uh, that God gave and use them kind of as a mirror to look in, as a measuring guide, a measuring stick, what we will find there is that none of us have kept them at all. Um, some maybe in some outward form, okay, are not murderers, but Jesus later came and helped expose and, and exposed that even someone who's not a murderer still in his heart is a hater, right? Who of us hasn't been driving down the road and uh, there is suddenly a pair of eyeballs in our rearview mirror? The guy uh, behind us is in such a hurry and apparently thinks we're going so slow that he has to um, have his bumper touching ours and suddenly we hate right? We, we hate. And that's a simple and silly illustration, but it's true. And so, so that kind of uh, thing goes on all throughout our life where people dare offend us, dare get in our way, dare do something wrong to us, and we are ready to condemn them. We hate them. And maybe we would kill them if we could do it and never be caught. So we have hearts of murder, hearts of hatred. He, he said to these real religious men called the Pharisees, he said, you guys think you're good like because you don't commit adultery. He said, but I say to you, whoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery in his heart already. So Jesus exposed the fact that all men, all men are adulterers. All men are adulterers. And so basically God gave us his law as a almost like a mirror to show us that in Adam that day we all fell and were born at enmity with God, against God, rebellious against God, which explains why you have a natural uh, tendency to maybe come to the conclusion that there's not a God and that you can live the way you want to. But there is a God and He's holy and everything about us, everything about us, is against him. <laughs> uh, one, one place in the Bible describes it like this. The, it says the plowing of the wicked is sin. Of course, in, in that agrarian culture, um, farming would have been kind of the everyday activity of, of most men. And, and he says even their plowing, when they're plowing their field, it's sin. In other words, uh, at, at heart, man is, uh, when we come to this world, we're seeking not the purpose for which we're created, that is to know God and to obey Him and to walk with Him and to um, be in keeping with His perfect design. Instead, we, we come into this world um, with our own uh, agenda, with our own agenda. And so that's why we see the current um, state of the world. War, <laughs> more war and more war, right? Actual war with arms and then Twitter war, right? 
liberal versus conservative war, Republican war, all of these different wars. Um, and so, and, and again, just, you know, man, men hating each other and fighting with each other and killing each other ultimately. <laughs> and, uh, and that is the, the state of the heart of each man. We were born that way in Adam. He was our great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, okay? Um, but God, so, so then, again, what I was, was kind of getting at is the religion you have seen probably primarily is man setting himself up as righteous, um, as more righteous than you. And over here, no, they're, they've got it better than you. And over here, no, they've got the truth, and it's better than, than you. And so this church and that church and this um, political movement, it's, it's, it's mostly what we see, especially right here in America right now, is self-righteousness, fig leaves covering up the shame of man. But the true gospel, and this is just what I wanted to ultimately get to if you guys have, <laughs> if you guys have hung with me for some reason, is the good news. The, you know, obviously I had to tell you the bad news, and that is you and I both were born in Adam, separated from God, um, against him. Um, no matter how good you try to be, the fact is you can't do anything about your heart. You can't do anything about the lustful heart that you have. You can't do anything about the hateful heart that you have inside, the parts that we can hide from men, but not from God. And... So I would. So my message to you here is not for you to um, adopt a religion and change somehow. Change, do better, cover yourselves up with some fig leaves. But my message to you is the message of the Bible that God did for you exactly what He did for Adam and Eve there in the garden, and there was a substitute for you because what you deserve what I deserve for being in rebellion to our Creator is death, is death, e eternal death, ultimately. But God did for you, again, what He did for Adam in sending His own Son, Jesus, in the flesh. God with us. One of Jesus' names was Emmanuel. It means God with us. So God Himself came. And he lived out perfectly um, what Adam did not, what Adam did not live out. Obedience to God, a life of constant dependence upon God, uh, upon the heavenly, his heavenly Father, God. And, and so, uh, but then he was taken by cruel religious men, um, and slain and killed. His blood was shed. But that was in the place of those who would believe in Him, the Lord Jesus, and be ultimately clothed in His righteousness. So let me make it maybe, uh, or put it this way to you. I come to you uh, with, with this message, again, not as somebody who's saying, uh, man, uh, that, uh, that Daniel and that Brian you know, they're nice guys, but I'm sure they're just not as um, religious as me and as good as me, and I really just want them to, uh, you know, to 
find this uh, peace with God that I have based on my how good I've done and on my righteousness. No, let me, let me tell you, I'm coming to you as a wretch, as a wicked man. When I say wretch, I mean a wicked man. A man who, sure, outwardly, um, just like you, people say, oh, yeah, that's a, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. Um, but God has seen my heart. God has seen pride um, and lust and hatred and unforgiveness and what, what the Bible would call idolatry. In other words, loving things and money and, and pleasure rather than the Creator who created me. Just corrupt, corrupt. But God mercifully, mercifully turned my eyes away from any uh, potential hope in saving myself, rescuing myself to the work that He did on my behalf, in my place. He rescued me. He rescued me. Um, he came and He died in my place. And then He rose from the grave. He defeated death. And so what that gives me now is a promise of eternal life. I, like you, will still have a casket lid closed on my face. Um, my body will turn into dirt. But my soul will live forever with God. Uh, my soul will live forever with God because the promise of eternal life that I have now in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's much, much more that can be shared with you, of course, and taught to you, but I would say this, the entire Bible is this story. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's like two plus two, right? There's no math if you don't believe, if you, can, if you can't build it upon simple foundational truths. Um, and, uh, and, and, and if you look under a microscope, even a, a, a biologist will tell you how much math there is in just, um, in biology. In other words, there's just foundational truths of God, the creator. Um, and that is the case with our eternal souls. We have no hope, no hope, except that God would rescue us. That's it. That's it. And so that's good news for you guys. What, what, what would I even, if, if I was able to have a face-to-face -face conversation with you, um, what would I uh, say if you were still listening to me and, and not um, ar trying to argue with me, what would I say here in conclusion? I would say, uh, Daniel, Brian, I, I, I'm no better than you. I, in fact, if... if um, we were comparing notes on who's the nicest, you guys would probably win. Um, but I'm a wretch, and so are you. You have broken God's laws. By nature, you have. You came into the, Nobody had to teach you how to lie. Your mom didn't have to say, hey, son, let me teach you how to tell lies. No, you just tell lies. Nobody had to teach you how to be lustful came natural and again that that bears out the truth of everything that I've just shared with you 
But I would also tell to, to you that the consequence for this is eternal death and damnation. But then I would tell you the good news. God has sent a rescuer, his, son, his own son, Jesus, to stand in your place. And if you will believe on him, trust in him, turn from your sin admitting, God, I, <laughs> I'm a sinner. Um, I love my sin. And I have embraced it fully and completely. I, 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 I'm a sinner against you, but I am sorry. <laughs> and I want to be forgiven and, and I want to be rescued from the death that it deserves. And I believe that Jesus is the only hope for me, substitute for me. And the only way that, that I can have the, the life that you created me for. And that is one of peace with God, obedience to God. If you will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved, rescued from eternal death. And God himself will come to live within you and to help you be a, a keeper, so to speak, of his law in, in Jesus. Um, you will still be in this body, in a sinful body, and you will still sin. But you will always be clothed in the righteousness of Christ on your behalf. And you will have new desires. You'll be a new creature. Um, you will see your sin now for what it is. And you will continue in repentance, um, as it's called in the Bible. You will continue to turn away from it. And you'll have joy and peace um, and forgiveness and true hope. And um, you won't have to fear death. And you won't have to fear what will take place if uh, your rope breaks on the Big Bradley waterfall. <laughs> And uh, so I don't know if you guys, if somehow this worked out to get this message to you guys. Um, and again, there's much, much more in the scriptures uh, that would, again, all confirm these things and point to these things. Beware of the many, many religious people, pulpits and churches and pastors who, who seek to basically take the Bible and turn it into a moral book, um, a list of a list of their do's and don'ts to press upon you rather than um, the entire book pointing to Jesus as that Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So beware of that. Beware of that. Um, and if, if you are somehow ever in a place where you are believing on Christ and wanting to understand more, Please, uh, please reach out to me. It would be my pleasure just to take a, a, a friend, another fellow rescued wretch, and walk with you in the scriptures um, that basically keep our eyes on, on Christ, our Savior, the only, the only Savior for men, the only rescuer for men from death. And I pray that, that, will, that God will be merciful to you as he has been to me and open your eyes to these things. Um, reach out to me sometime if, if, if so. And even if you don't necessarily understand or don't necessarily agree, but you have questions, whatever it may be, <clears throat> feel free. Mel, Mel Lockhart again is my name and my number is 704-470-5503. Send me a text anytime. Call me anytime. 704-470-5503. Or an email, Shelby, S-H-E-L-B-Y, 4-F-O-R, Christ. C-H-R-I-S-T dot com 
or shelbyforchrist@gmail.com an email shelbyforchrist.com or shelbyforchrist at gmail.com those things are not commercialized I have no desire to make money off of this good news I only desire that other men would come to the rescue like me I hope you would believe me on that but still reach out take care thank you and again we hope to repel Big Bradley with you again someday <laughs>